This is the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers like you prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. This week, we are jumping into the introduction of the Gospel of Mark. I'm Amber Vaden, your host, and today I'm joined by John Paul Basham. John Paul now serves as the Director of Adult Ministry at LifeWay, so he leads the work for ongoing curriculum for short-term curriculum and custom curriculum. He's been on LifeWay's students team for seven and a half years as publishing manager before coming to the adult ministry team. And before coming to LifeWay, he served as a student pastor for seven and a half years in Virginia. So he comes with loads of experience and knowledge. Um, John Paul, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you. Uh, So as I said, today we're talking about the gospel of Mark. Um, We will just give a brief overview of what you can expect to to learn in this gospel. And then we're going to answer some questions to help you get a general idea of what the major distinctives are for the gospel of Mark. Mark is a concise account of the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It is fast paced, which kind of keeps it exciting. Yeah. Uh, while Mark's gospel is technically anonymous, um, John Mark is a Jewish follower of Jesus, has long been given credit for writing it. He was not one of the 12 apostles, um, but tradition holds that he obtained much of his information from Peter. Uh, and so that is that was his close friend as well as an apostle. Mark likely wrote his gospel from Rome to a primarily Gentile audience around the time of Peter's martyrdom. Mark likely wrote his gospel from Rome to a primarily Gentile audience. Many view Mark as the first gospel to be written. They believe Matthew and Luke drew from Mark's gospel for their writings, which is really uh, evident if you start looking into them. The purpose of Mark's gospel was to declare Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God. So let's just begin with a question. John Paul, what are some of the primary teachings or themes found in the Gospel of Mark? Well, as I've studied the Gospel of Mark, um, and not totally on my own, but as I've read what people a whole lot smarter than me have said about it, it, it seems that the Gospel of Mark can be broken up into two major sections. So you have verse 1, 1 through verses 8, 30, that focus primarily on the identity of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have the second half of the book of Mark, verses 831 to 168, that focus primarily on the mission of Jesus. So right at the beginning, the first line of Mark introduces Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. And Mark immediately goes to work to prove Jesus' identity as the Son of God. And so this is what I think is so cool about studying the Gospels, when you kind of hold them up side, side by side, you get to see how each one is different from the next. So you look at Matthew and Luke that both tell the story of Christ's birth. And then you look at John that starts out talking about the preexistence of Jesus. What's so cool about Mark is that he just launches right into Christ's earthly ministry. And it's kind of like one of those... Buckle up and get ready because Mark is going to slingshot you through some of the high points of Christ's earthly ministry. So before you've even, I mean, just chapter one, let's just look at high points of chapter one. You see um, Jesus' baptism. You see his 40 days in the wilderness. 
You see his ministry in Galilee, his calling of his first disciples, driving out an unclean spirit, healing nearly the whole town of Capernaum. It says, you know, the, the whole town is gathered at his doorstep, cleansing a man with leprosy. And that's just chapter one. And so they're not lengthy accounts of any of those, but he's just flying through each of those. And what you see there is this proof of an identity of Jesus, who he is as the son of God. So if we were to just walk through a few of them, in his baptism in verse 11, you see the voice, it says, and a voice came down from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And in his temptation in the wilderness in verse 13, you see that the angels were serving him. Um, the ministry in Galilee, Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news, he says. Uh, as he's driving out the unclean spirit in chapter one, the spirit cries out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. When he's healing in Capernaum, he wouldn't permit the demons to speak as he drove them out and he healed the sick. So in all of these even though they're short snippets and it's like fast forwarding through his ministry in all of those little snippets of his ministry, you see these proofs around every corner that he is the son of God, that he has this identity and this authority as the Messiah, um, as the, the fulfillment of what the people of Israel have been waiting on for so long. So that's one of the, that's one of the, the major pieces, kind of that centerpiece of the first half of the book is that identity of Jesus as the son of God. That is, that's so helpful to kind of break it down the, the way that you did. It's really evident as we go through this study of Mark, we will see event after event and action after action that demonstrate Jesus's lordship. Uh, many miracles, Mark uh, records and gives the account of many miracles. And while that um, isn't unique. I mean, that's found in the other gospels as well. Uh, but if you take a look and study it, which ones he does record and give an account of, you see time after time what Jesus has authority over. So he's he has authority over Satan. Uh, we see that in chapter one, verses 12 through 13, um, when he defeats the accuser's temptation. He can cast out demons. He is Lord over sickness, as seen in his healing of the sick. And that's also in chapter one or healing of the leprosy late in late chapter one. So a few more, he showed himself as Lord over nature by calming the storms and walking on water in chapter four and in chapter six, he is Lord over the Sabbath um, and is the foundation and fulfillment of the law that's in chapter two. So time and again, uh, we see through this gospel, just like you said, exactly who he is, what his identity is, what his authority is over. And that would have been um, groundbreaking because many thought that he would he would come and be a political ruler. Uh, and then when he came, I think many just thought, oh, he's a miracle worker. But he is more than that. Uh, there was more than just physical healing that he was offering. So it's it is interesting to get to get a look and to, to study into what do each of these scenes teach us about his identity. Yeah. I love in chapter two, when he's, when he's healing the, the paralytic man mm -hmm. and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then, you know, it talks about him perceiving 
the thoughts of all the people around, like, how can you, how can you just forgive his sins? And it's one of those moments where he just really in displaying his authority, he's like, okay, which one's harder to say that his sins are forgiven or to tell him to get up and walk, knowing that everybody around there would have thought no way that you can make him stand up and walk. And he says, get up and walk. And so all of those shows of his sonship and his authority, his lordship there, he just shows complete control. Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. heal you physically. I can heal you spiritually. I am the fulfillment of everything that has come. I, I am the answer. I am the Messiah. I am your salvation. So it's so cool how Mark just stacks all those evidences. Like if you ever had a doubt <laughs> and after yeah. reading the book of Mark, surely you don't the way that he presents it just back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and certainly we don't have to have a doubt because we have the written account. But now as Jesus was uh, ministering and living life with his apostles, he you would see him repeatedly telling them some of the same things. Uh, And so here's here's one question where we see that. uh, Okay, Mark's gospel devotes a number of passages to Jesus's death and suffering. What were some of those and why did he do that? Yeah, well, so I think this points to that second half, you know, when we when we split the book of Mark in half, the second half of the book, you see, I mean, right away, Mark, Mark 8, 31. Um, he said it, it says, then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, be killed, and rise after three days. He spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Um, But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You're not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. So there's this immediate like, okay, if if now maybe I've proven my identity to you as my as my my closest followers, my disciples, those that are that are doing life with me day in and day out. Now, now I need to direct you toward what I'm really here for. Ultimately, what his mission was, was to come and be the perfect sacrifice that would make a way for God's people to come to him. And so the the focus Mm -hmm. shifts Mm -hmm. from, okay, now that you know who I am, now I need to tell you what I'm here to do, because what you think I'm here to do and what God has sent me here to do are two very different things. So you see it in Mark 8.31, you yes. see it in Mark 9.31, you see it in Mark 10.34. And then you see um, kind of the, the climax of that teaching in Mark 10.45, uh, where he just, he just kind of s- says it. He defines it clearly there, the reason for his death when he says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so there we see that Jesus' death will be an atoning sacrifice to pay for sins, to restore human beings to a right relationship with God. And so it's this, it's a, it's a beautiful and, uh, and a dark ending to the book where you see Christ coming in and cleansing the temple. Um, and you see him teaching about, hey, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to have to be rejected. You're going to have to lose me here for a time. But in 
in walking through this, um, like in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus was perfected through his obedience. In Jesus walking through this obedience and being made the perfect sacrifice for us, we gain everything that he knew we needed to gain, even though they were losing everything that they thought he was there to give them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So he he very much fulfilled the suffering servant passages from the Old Testament. And so through this through this book, the the theme of suffering, but also sacrifice, you see them both uh, because that's what, as you said, that was his mission. Yeah. So that that verse, Mark 10, 45, you mentioned it. Uh, I have heard it said that if you summed up the gospel of Mark, you could just use that one verse for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What else? Is there anything else we need to know about Mark before we go? Well, I, I mean, I, I think it's that maybe what I would say to to sum it up is that you see such a powerful proclamation of Christ's identity. And you see an immediate juxtaposition with his posture related to his identity. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we can learn so much from. That Christ had every reason to claim obedience and, and devotion, to, to, to demand from the people around him, you do what I say because of who I am. And instead, he says very clearly, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I came to show you. I came to teach you. I came to heal you. I came to love you to my throne. I came to prove to you that I'm worthy of your worship. And then I came to make this final, ultimate sacrifice to take on the weight of all of your sin on myself as a sacrifice in obedience to God. Yes, first and foremost, in obedience to God, but in service to you to to offer you this incredible life that only he could offer us. So as you study the book of Mark and, and as you walk through the next several weeks of teaching the book of Mark, I would challenge you to read it with that filter in mind of what is it what did it mean for Christ to be that suffering servant and how can we model that because i think that's what we're called to do not necessarily to die on a cross for the good of the people around us but to to model that suffering servant and to put others ahead of ourselves and to model just the way that Christ did in loving the people around us to the throne of god just like Jesus has loved all of us to the throne of God. That is so good. Um, And a good thing to keep in mind as we begin this study and to keep in mind as we go through this study. Thank you so much for being with us today, John Paul. We appreciate it. Welcome to our team. Thank you. It's been a blast so far. I'm looking forward to what the Lord's going to let us all do together. Thank you for listening today. Uh, Our next podcast will discuss Mark chapter one, verses one through four. 13, and our guest hosts will be Gia Thornburg and Dwayne McCreary. We hope you'll join us.